But just to be clear, you agree that white nationalists should not be serving in the U.S. military. Is that what you're saying? If, if people think that a white nationalist is a racist, I agree with that. I agree they A white shouldn't. nationalist is someone who believes that the white race is superior to other races. Well, that, that's some people's opinion. Uh, and I don't think, that's I mean, a lot. Uh, pardon? What's your opinion? My opinion of a white nationalist, if somebody wants to call him white nationalist, to me is an American. It's an American. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged. Welcome to episode 43 of The Middle Unplugged, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill and less extreme and generally less angry conversation. So a grand total of 24 hours or so has passed since the latest round of indictments against Donald Trump, but we are not going to do an episode about that today. For one thing, I like to read these indictments. I'm only up to page 31 or so. And also, we're going to have an opportunity in a new expanded edition of The Middle, the radio show on Saturday. We're going to have an additional time to be doing some Trump stuff just about every week if we need to. So we're going to talk about it then. But I wanted to get to the bottom of the mystery that is Tommy Tuberville and the Republican hard turn away from being the pro-military party. And so we have a special guest to talk about that. Stay tuned. So it's my great honor to introduce uh, Paul Rykoff. He is someone that I got to know as a 9-11 first responder, someone that served in the military, Iraq veteran, and he was the founder of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Now he has a, a podcast himself called The Independent Americans, is frequently called upon to comment on national security issues. Paul, thanks for joining me. And, you know, you've probably been asked this a lot recently to explain the mystery phenomenon that is Tommy Tuberville. I think most of our listeners have in the background heard the this idea, this Republican senator from Alabama holding up a lot of military promotions, but put some meat on the bones. What What is he doing and how is he doing it? And more importantly, what is his outcome? What is he trying to achieve here? Well, first of all, Anthony, good to talk to you. It's been a while. Uh, this is an easy question to answer. I thought you were going to ask me why the Yankees are imploding. <laughs> Eric Adams is, is, is having such an abysmal time running our city. So this is actually much more straightforward in my view. Um, look, the, the bottom line here is that there's always been a process where the Senate confirms senior officers. We're talking about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the single most senior member of the military. We're talking about the commandant of the Marine Corps, uh, the chair of the Army. These are the senior most people in the military, and there's Senate confirmations that usually roll through without an issue. It's one of the most bipartisan things you see. Tommy Tuberville, the Republican senator from uh, Alabama, who's known as being the football coach from Auburn, and in my view, frankly, not one of the brightest guys, <laughs> um, has, has figured kind of a glitch in the system. And he can put a hold on all senior military promotions single-handedly. And what that's doing is it's freezing the promotions of over 200 senior military officers. Now, I'm not even going to talk about the why yet, because I want to talk about the what, because it's so significant. This is jamming up the works for our entire Pentagon. Right now, we have a chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, C.Q. Brown, who's not been approved. We got no commandant in the Marine Corps. We've got no head of the Army. We've got no head of the Air Force. So if you go to the Pentagon, they've got the pictures on the wall of the senior leaders. Three of them are black because they're just blacked out. There's no picture because those people haven't been put in their jobs. And what this means is not only can they not be promoted, can they not only take command of units, their families are stuck. So here we are in August. School's about to start in two, three weeks. In some places, it's already started. 
And over 200 families don't know where their kids are going to school. And this doesn't mean like you're going to be uptown or downtown. This means you might be in Okinawa, Japan, or you might be in Coronado, California. So it's stopping the forward promotion, the good rotation, the change of command that happens during a military in normal times. It's also happening when we're dealing with Russia, China, extremism, you know, floods and wildfires that our National Guard and Reserve are deploying to. So at the end of the day, it undermines our national. And there's a knock on effect, right? Because you have staffs to those people that also have to get assigned. And then you have the vacancies that they're creating with their promotion that some guys have been waiting 15 years for that guy to move up. And those people have to nominally wait. But let me ask you this. this and, also, and also the people are holding two jobs. So right now, you know, the vice chair of the, co- the commandant of the Marine Corps is now holding the number two job and the number one job. Right? He's only getting paid for one. I see. One guy, two and two jobs, right? They don't know who the next guy is going to be or when they're going to get cleared. And, and, and I think I should also mention, this is unprecedented. This has never happened. Republicans, Democrats, they don't do it because in the past, you'd be, you, you'd be erased. There would be no political future for you if you mucked up the works of the Pentagon. And Tommy Tuberville is not just opposed to the Democrats. He's opposed to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the secretary of defense, people in his own party. And in my view, what he's doing is holding the military and really our senior officers hostage. It's a- yeah, but let, let, let me just pause on that just to explain the how here. Despite the conventional wisdom, of, and it's probably true, that there's less, partis- there's less bipartisanship than there used to be in Washington and our national landscape, so much of the United States Senate, because of their power to advise and consent on many different jobs in government, they actually do proceed on unanimous consent on a lot of things and military appointments traditionally it they they do that and what tuberville is doing is not so much putting a hold on but saying by virtue of demanding a vote on each one and how much time that takes in the processes of the senate that it's not really that he's doing it, it it's having the effect of clogging this thing up but let's get back to the notion that's that also some that's also semantics as you know as somebody who worked in congress they're gone they're not there in August, right? They don't have many working days. So to say, oh, we could just vote on 250 senior officers. I mean, they've got post offices they've got a name. They've got to approve funding to Ukraine. They've got to do budgets. They've got to do a million other things. So it's a cop-out to say, oh, we could just vote on all of them one by one. Right. But it, it has the effect. It has the real effect of stopping it. But it never happened before. Never. In part because if there is the, the last remaining bastion of bipartisanship used to be generally speaking, issues around the military. Not that there weren't fights over where you're going to, what base you're going to close, et cetera. Um, And Tommy Tuberville is a, what party is he from? You know the answer. He's a Republican and he's a Republican that represents a very heavy military state. I mean, it's a small state, but still. Explain a little bit why it's suddenly, why the Republicans seem to be, maybe, again, he doesn't speak for the party. I'm sure his own party is not happy about this, but it would you would never think in a thousand years if anyone were to do this, say, 15 years ago, you said, OK, it would be a Bernie Sanders type making a point about the size of the military budget. This is Tommy Tuberville, who apparently is buying into some larger issue around this wokeness in the military. Walk us through a little bit about what that's that I guess that subtext of this fight is all about. Let me let me start with a really important point. I am an independent, like 49 percent of the country. And I think this is ridiculous. Right? It's not because I'm a Democrat or because I work for Joe Biden. It's because I'm a veteran. It's because I've got people who are in the military who I know are impacted by this. It's because I've had a military family impacted by these sorts of things. And this is the worst kind of politics. What you've got 
I don't care if he's a Republican or a Democrat. He's kind of a political suicide bomb. He's saying, I'm going to go in here and blow this whole thing up because of my political agenda. Now, his agenda happens to be removing abortion rights for pretty much everybody in America on all circumstances, right? Fine. If that's his position, he can have that position. He can make that case. But he's arguing that the military should not provide time off for people in the military who are in a state where they can't get an abortion to go and get an abortion. Let me give you an example. A helicopter pilot, female type, is in Alabama, gets raped, and will wants to continue flying a helicopter, doesn't want to take that baby to term, and wants to go to another state, say New York, and, and get an abortion. The military will not pay for that. They will not. The question is, will she be granted time off? And will they give her the money to go to New York and come back so then she can get back to flying a helicopter? Now, this is a woman who's operating tens of millions of dollars in equipment, has done multiple comments. And this is only a post-Dobbs problem to solve, right? If it were not for Dobbs, we would not be having this conversation, right? Correct. So the impact on women in the military right now is that if you if you need abortion-related services, let's say you have a jammed fallopian tube and it's going to endanger your life. You have to leave Alabama, leave Fort Rucker in Alabama and come up to New York or California or somewhere else where you can get those emergency abortion related services. But there's a bigger knock on effect too. New York and California provide 20% of the women to the military. If you have a daughter who lives in New York or California who has the rights that, that she's afforded living in New York and California, do you think she's going to join the military and potentially get stationed in Alabama? No. She's not. It's impacting morale. It's impacting readiness. It's impacting uh, our ability to recruit. But Tommy Tuberville wants to make this case. And in order to make this case, he's going to hold up all these promotions. I think what he's honestly doing is grandstanding. He's playing to a very deep part of his right wing base, the the anti-abortion crowd. I think he's trying to curry favor with Trump. This is very much a Trump type tactic of being a political suicide bomber and saying, I'll do whatever I have to do in support of this mission. He said recently, we have too many generals. That's what Tommy Tuberville said. Well, I think we have too many senators. And this senator has mm-hmm. never been in combat. He's never worn a uniform. He's never been in command. He knows about football fields. He and there are, and there are, there is actually, and we're not going to get into it here. There is some, some reporting that shows he even fibs about the military connections oh, I mean, of his family. But let me. Yeah, but this is important. He said he was going to donate money to veterans and he didn't do that. He's been inaccurate in talking about his grandfather, his father's service. I mean, this is again, this is not the brightest bulb in the Senate, but he's also appears to be unethical and seems to lie and seems to stretch the truth. And at the end of the day, no one can argue this isn't hurting our national security. And and, And the cold open to this episode was him defending the idea that there's nothing more American than to be a white nationalist. But let me just... Let me just say, don't gloss past that. This is a guy who said he was okay with white nationalism. No, but this is, but that's part of the story that I think our our listeners have have heard plenty about. I'm just trying to get to this other this other idea. I've called him. I've called him Senator Red. Right, a lot of your audiences (laughs) in the tri-state area. You want to look up Foghorn Leghorn. You want to look up like a stereotype of a redneck. It's this guy. (laughs) Fair enough. And he's not communicating well on behalf of the military, and that's why they also just lost Space Command headquarters. The Alabama was competing with Colorado to be the home of Space Command. They lost. Colorado won. And it's in part because this guy's attacking the military every day. So why would the Pentagon move Space Command to a place where Tommy Tuberville is going to attack them every day, say they're too woke and jam up all their promotions? Well, let me let me just talk a little bit about the, the tradition of the of the military. You as someone who served our country so I didn't have to. And for that, I'm grateful. 
But there is this 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 notion, maybe you can drill a little into it, you know, that because we're an all-volunteer army, a military, because we're an all-volunteer military, that the top brass and the president, the commander-in-chief has to always be acutely aware of this idea of making it a welcoming workplace, among other things, making it a place that people feel comfortable. And for and also they can't screw around. They need to get the best and the brightest. And that sometimes means they're thinking a little bit further down the road than American corporations, than American politicians are. And and this is a case that perhaps irrespective of your views on abortion, and you touched on this a little bit, talk about the idea that the military as an all-volunteer organization sometimes is at the leading edge of social movements that sometimes seem far from wartime fighting, but are about recruiting the best possible people. I mean, the, the military is, has been a powerful engine for the very values that this country was built on. It's a place where it was equal before it was equal outside the bases, right? Where, where blacks and whites could serve alongside each other, could serve in the same units, could fly the same helicopters long before they could even sit at the same lunch table, right? And now women can do things in the military like fly helicopters and command units in, in ways you don't see in the private sector. That's not because it's woke. It's because it's modern. It's because it works, right? In Ukraine right now, when they're fighting the Russians, they don't say, you know, we want everybody except women. They say, we want everybody, everybody who can fight, anybody who has a skill to bring. If you can cook meatloaf or you can fire a gun, we will take you. And that's what, what warfare requires in modern times. It also requires, in America, appealing to young people, right? Young people have different views on things. Young people want to be respected. Young people are diverse. And they want to know that they're going to be treated fairly and with respect in the military. And they don't want to feel politicized. And I think the real, the real, the real shame of this is that when you hear Tommy Tuberville talk and he wants no rights for women, he wants to welcome white nationalists, he doesn't care what the generals say, it sounds like he's recruiting for the Confederate Army, not for the Army of 2023 that has to recruit, you know, people of color in, in Harlem and people of color in, in Chicago and, 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 in, and in California. They are vital to our national security. And they have to feel welcome and respected. And I think Tommy Tuberville is really recruiting for an army from 1863. I mean, and he's never been in the military. And he thinks he knows better than the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs and every service chief, almost every retired uh, four-star and most of the Secretaries of Defense have said to him, stop this charade. Stop holding our military hostage. Let it go and move on. And I think it's so shameful he should resign. This is the Republican Party that used to be the home of Colin Powell and John McCain. I, I you know, supported John McCain when I was growing up because I admired John McCain's rolling over in his grave right now, thinking that the Republican Party is stopping promotions over this crap. It, it's really the worst form of our politics. And it's what's driving people away, not only from our politics, but from our military. And that hurts our national defense. And the hashtag I always use, Anthony, is our enemies are celebrating. Putin loves this. Kim Jong-un loves this. Right. All our enemies everywhere. This is great, Tommy Tuberville. Keep screwing up the Pentagon. You're doing our work for us. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, I just want to talk to you a little bit about your podcast, uh, Independent Americans. You and I have a kind of, if you read both of our, our descriptions of our shows, there's a lot of like a word cloud of like a lot of common language about trying to find spaces to those that are in the middle. You use the word independent. Tell me about your podcast and and, and whether, and, I mean, I think a lot of my listeners are interested in this idea that we frequently get into these two silos and we there's a lot of people who, who fit both of those silos don't seem to be very welcoming. Tell me about your podcast. Well, you know, I, I served in the military. I served at running a veterans organization. I met you because I worked on Capitol Hill 
lobbying and pushing for things like the GI Bill and burn pit legislation, stuff that was bipartisan, nonpartisan. And what I realized is roughly half of our members at Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans America were independent, were unaffiliated. They weren't Republicans and Democrats. And every year we saw that number grow, and that included me. And I felt like our, our voice was underrepresented. 49% of this country wants none of the above. And it doesn't just mean the middle, Anthony. I think that's important to note. It's some people who just don't want to give our family name to a corrupt party or to any party. We want to be free agents. We want every team in the league to come after us, just like Aaron Rodgers had. And we want to pick where we go. And if the leadership changes or we don't agree with someone, we want to be able to move independently. And I think in New York, it's maybe most acute because I'm an independent. I'm a first responder. I can't vote in our primaries, which decide our mayor. I think that's BS. I, we need open primaries where everyone can vote. Primaries are publicly funded right now, but most folks don't know this. You use public schools, you use public poll workers, but they're private. If you're an independent veteran, just as an example, you can't vote in them. So I think many folks in this country want something different. They want independence. They want independent media voices. They want people who are not beholden to either party. They're sick of Fox and MSNBC and all the fighting. And they're looking for people with integrity who, who share their values, who care about their country first and don't give a damn about their party. And I think young people especially are showing us the future because 60 percent of them are unaffiliated. We know they're not joining local organizations. They're not joining the Boy Scouts. They're not joining the BFW. But they're also not joining the Republican and Democratic Party. They're looking for leaders. And I think this provides a real opportunity for us as independents to work together, to support each other and to support independent leaders like a guy I had on my show the newly elected independent mayor of Colorado Springs, a guy named Yemi Mobilati. He's not in a party. He won in a place that had been uh, traditionally conservative, but he got a lot of support from all areas. And I think in New York especially, there's a real hunger for people who aren't Democrats or Republicans and who can talk to the 50% of folks who are like them, but also the reasonable Republicans and Democrats who are kind of Republican or Democrat by default because they feel like they have to be to vote in a primary or to participate. We don't think they have to. We obviously have a focus on national security, first responders, cops, firefighters, but it's really about exploring what it means to be independent because we think the future of American politics is independent. Well, I appreciate it, Paul. And, and um, I think that the, the only, the, the, the principal difference that you and I have on this issue is that when, is that people do use parties the way they always did, which is to give them a general sense of where, where their philosophy is welcome. But the challenge has become that Democrats and Republicans, in my view, contort themselves into intellectual knots to try to explain why their side is right about something that they probably, if they had a 10 minute conversation, would say, you know what, OK, maybe that is not. And that and that is kind of so I always say and it's it, and, and is that, you know, I don't ask anyone to leave their political philosophy aside to come listen to my show or to come listen to the podcast. They can bring it along with them. But if they if they believe that under no circumstance does anything that Donald Trump does is wrong and deserves to be whatever. And at no time is Joe Biden tripping up the stairs of Air Force One, something we can talk about that. I, I just don't think it represents where actual people are. And, to you know, you and I both like sports. The sports metaphor would be there are a lot of people who are who live and die by their team, but there are a lot of guys that like to watch football and to, and they'll turn on a game when their team isn't playing and they're interested in seeing how those guys do also. But I appreciate Paul. What is a good way to follow your activities? What is the, how, how do they look up your podcast and how do they find you on social media? 
independentamericans.us. We're on all the platforms. You can find us on all social media. Our, the show is free. You can find it and download it for free every week. We've got great episodes and great guests. And, and I would just encourage folks, declare your independence. Leave the herds. Leave the parties. Anthony, I don't know if you've ever formally left the Democratic Party, but I would encourage you to do so. You're kidding. Put yourself, put yourself on the free. I would, chew, I would chew off my arm before I voted Republican, but go ahead. But you, can, but you also <laughs> can declare your independence and make them work for you. Make them come for your vote. And I encourage everyone else to do the same thing. Don't let them take you for granted and, and make them work for your support and your family name, because I think that that's the future. And I think that's what, what our past was, too. It's what George Washington intended. He said, beware the parties. And I think that now more than ever, we have to beware the parties and declare our independence. Well, I appreciate it. That's uh, Paul Rykoff. Uh, he is the host of the Independent Americans podcast, the founder of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, and a frustrated Yankee fan talking to a frustrated Met fan. So uh, uh, we can we can go. We can be frustrated about Tommy Tuberville and baseball. Uh, well, thankfully, football's around the corner and we got good prospects for the end. The, there the you go. Thanks a bunch. And we'll be right back with Ask Anthony. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. So welcome back to The Middle Unplugged, episode 43. This is the part of the program that we call Ask Anthony Anything. It's expanded from what it used to be. And today we're going to take a question, although I said we weren't going to do the Trump stuff, we're going to take a question from one of the most well-known constitutional lawyers in the United States and one that you can't get enough of here on 77 WABC Radio. I give you Alan Dershowitz. What Trump is essentially being charged with is contesting an election. I contested the election of 2000. I was one of the lawyers for the Palm Beach voters who contested the butterfly ballot. And the way you contest an election is you put up a slate of alternate electors. And then either Congress or the courts decide which slate to count. That's the appropriate way to do it. They are not fake electors. They're alternate electors. They're not fake electors. Of course they're not. The fake electors in the minds only of people who want to use that kind of word to, to uh, you know, color the situation. But uh, that's the way you challenge elections. And, you know, if you can prove specific perjury or specific forgery, okay, that's one thing. But what they seem to be charging here is just a replica of what's charged in the District of Columbia. So Alan Dershowitz says a few things there that I'm going to treat as if he was asking a question. Now, you might say to yourself... Anthony, um, actually, you'd be saying that to me. You'd be saying, Anthony, how can you possibly be responding to Alan Dershowitz? He is an august constitutional lawyer. But to be honest with you, he is there parroting and spouting such nonsense. This notion of contested elections is not what the uh, charges against Donald Trump were in the January 6th case brought down by Special Counsel Smith, nor, in summary, are they what it comes down to in the Georgia case. So as I said, we're going to get to that with greater, with greater time on the weekends. The notion of contesting elections is well ground. I mean, the idea, all 50 states 
have a process for counting the elections, a process for casting the elections, uh, uh, ballots, and the, and the process for contesting elections. And, and they get resolved in boards of elections and ultimately in state courts and in some cases even in federal courts. What this case is about, unlike the Palm Beach case, unlike Florida, unlike other cases that people have had concerns about, the courts had already ruled and decided and legislatures had already deemed final the elections. These are not circumstances where they were doing these things as part of a regular process of contesting elections. And Alan Dershowitz knows that. You don't, I'll give you an example, the one he uses, this notion of the way you contest an election is by coming up with alternate electors. No. The process for choosing electors is in the law. There is a process for doing it. You don't get to go out and do your own on the side. That's not a thing. If you want to contest elections, you do it. And by the way, the Trump, the Trump campaign and allies of Donald Trump contested elections all over the country. They had audits. They had re-audits. They had audits they paid for, like the one in Wisconsin. They had audits in Arizona. They had recounts, three different recounts in Georgia. They had court cases making all kinds of allegations. And at the end of the day, the courts ruled and the legislature decided and the votes were cast in the Electoral College. What Donald Trump and his cohorts are accused of is doing stuff outside that process, something Hillary Clinton never did. Something, the equivalent would be, in the Florida case, that having the, the Supreme Court having ruled on it or the courts in Florida having ruled on it, they went out and conspired, notwithstanding all of that, we are going to come up with alternate electors We're going to, because we still have questions about the Florida butterfly ballots or the Florida, uh, or the, the concerns about it not being recounted in Palm Beach County. We're going to come up with our own set of electors, and we're going to then go to the Vice President of the United States, Joe Biden, and we're going to say, don't seat their electors. That's illegal. That's a violation of the law. And let me just explain this whole alternate electors thing. This alternate electors is not, was not a thing until now. And the reason it's not a thing until now is because it's illegal. There, is, there are electors. They are chosen by the, state, the states in different ways, and they're designated by the state legislatures in elections that are held in their capital. There is one process for doing that. There is not a second process that people who don't like the electors can go do, especially when it's tied up in all kinds of other things that make it a conspiracy. Now, You'll see Dershowitz at the end says, well, if it's perjury or forgery. By the way, this case had, had the equivalent of both of those things. They had documents that were forged or proposed to be forged by the uh, Department of Justice. They had people being told you're going to go vote to become a delegate when under false pretenses. But this whole idea, oh, Democrats contest elections all the time, intentionally misses the point. And let me finish with that. You know, when you're a constitutional lawyer, when you're a lawyer, you know better. You know these things. Now, I get it. There are people out there, and I think Alan Dershowitz is one of them, who has dedicated whole books to how unfair the prosecutions of Donald Trump are. I get that. He wants to sell those books. He wants to make that case. But the fact is that he's not on the level. And so I got a call this week and said, you'd have him on your show and debate him. I don't want to debate people who are just, who know better. At any rate, that's Ask Anthony Anything Today as I said we're going to start doing the weekend show, The Middle, for two hours instead of one. Curtis Lee and I will still be coming on, not at three anymore. We'll be coming on at four now. And it is going to give us a little more time to get into some of this everlasting, inexhaustible supply of legal news around Donald Trump, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and whomever else. 
um, and also get into some other issues. But I do appreciate you joining us. I really do appreciate Paul Rykoff um, of the uh, Independent Americans podcast and also the founder of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America um, for joining us. I want to thank Eric Salas for being our sound designer and producer. If you'd like to reach out to me at Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R, um, that's Twitter X and Anthony D. Wiener on Facebook and Wiener W-A-B-C at gmail.com. I really do appreciate all of your support for the podcast and for the radio show. And this marks the end of The Middle Unplugged. <laughs>